0: The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Uh, President Joe Biden doesn't care. That's the title of Bill O'Reilly's message today. Biden doesn't care. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, Biden border visit a photo op. Too little, too late. There's that going on. New House GOP majority passes a rules package, and then they are voting to rescind IRS funding. And then uh, Jim Jordan's going to chair a weaponization of government select committee. That's going to get rich. And then did you hear this one? U.S. attorney to review classified documents from Biden's vice president office found at a think tank. Oops. And so on that one, (laughs) this is just too funny. On that one, the view which I almost never reference on this show. The View host declares Biden document scandal a huge win for Trump and that it kills the Mar-a-Lago case. That's pretty funny. And then another Twitter files dump showing Pfizer board member Dr. Scott Gottlieb pressured the company, the company being Twitter, to censor Donald Trump's FDA commissioner. What? I can't believe that happens. No, certainly not in this world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it it does. And so today I'm just going to rip through a bunch of these different stories and I just want to get them on your radar screen. If you're kind of a news junkie like I am, perhaps we're paying too much attention, but I want to make sure that I get these things on our radar screen and then I'll continue to pay attention to this. All of these stories, by the way, are things that I talk about in my classes that I teach to high school homeschoolers through Noble U. That would be civics In U.S. History and Christian Ethics. And then this fall, I'm going to add World History. So if you have some high school age students or some students that are going to be high school age this fall, uh, pay attention this spring because I'm going to start signing up new students for fall and the new World History class, uh, both in person here in the Raleigh area as well as online. I'm going to put all four of my classes online via Noble U. And uh, I'm going to maybe uh, definitely three, maybe four homeschool conventions where I'm going to do some breakout speaking and have a booth and just trying to reach as many of today's youth as possible. And there's something that you run into, which I'll start with. And then I want to share a prayer request today as well. It's not for me personally, certainly not for me uh, personally and directly, but it is for our friends at the Truth Radio Network. Uh, the most bizarre. Most likely demonic thing that that I've heard of. I've been doing radio since 2007 and never heard anything like this, never seen anything like this. Uh, really a colossal pain, very difficult uh, to deal with. It's not uh, regarding a person, it's regarding equipment and towers. So I'm going to make sure you understand that because if you're listening on the Truth Radio Network or any other of the great Christian stations we're on, uh, we should be praying for one another. This is the body of Christ, and and represented by a bunch of different uh, c- c- Christian teaching and talk stations that we're on across North Carolina and other states. And so, I want to make you aware of that. So, I'll I'll bring you up to speed on that, and uh, just uh, praying in general for our friends uh, at the Truth Radio Network, which enabled me to get on the radio in the first place. So, <clears throat> I'll share that today as well. Do you know what the seven, seven living generations are, right? We have the greatest generation, sometimes called the silent generation. Most of them, unfortunately, are dead at this point. That was my parents, were a member of the greatest generation. Uh, my dad uh, was 14 when Pearl Harbor happened, so he was born in the 20s. Then you had the, the, the uh, kind of the, the greatest generation, the silent generation, which was born between 1928 and 1945. The baby boomers. They're, they were born 1946 to 1964, okay, post-World War II, the explosion of suburbs. Those are the baby boomers. And then Gen X, that's my generation. I was born in 1966. That's 1965 through 1980. So all of us are, you know, we're uh, 57 down to 43. And you got millennials, right? The famous millennials are Gen Y, born between 1981 and 1996. And then you have the youngest generation right now, Gen Z, They were born as long ago as 1997 or as recently as 2010. So they're, you know, basically 13 all the way up to uh, 23. Okay, and that's Gen Z. Why am I telling you this? And this is something that I'm running into as I'm uh, teaching high school age homeschoolers, mostly coming out of conservative Christian homes. Okay, so you don't see it quite as pronounced, although. With young people, they're not always going to tell you exactly what they're thinking. Have you noticed that? So this was in the morning consult. I saw this in a couple locations. Patriotic sentiment is lowest among Gen Z adults. So the average on all American adults, okay, the average is 52%. 52% are proud to live in America, okay, 52%. Baby boomers, uh, 73%. Gen X, that's mine. 54% say they're proud to live in America. The millennials, okay, so they're like 24 up to 40-ish. Only 36% of them say they're proud to live in the United States. Get down to Gen Z. These are high school and college students today. High school and college students. Only 16%, only 16% of them say they are proud to live in the United States. Now, why would they not be proud to live here? Well, because it's racist, right? Through and through, the 1619 Project proved that America was started out of the seed of racism and slavery. It was built out of racism and slavery. It's excelled out of racism and slavery and still exists as a racist state. And uh, consumer-minded, materialistic Uh, trying to ram our religion down everybody else's throat, so on and so forth. But America is a terrible country, which is why only 16% of Gen Z's say they're proud to live here. And mostly that is based on nothing less than ignorance. I'm telling you that firsthand. This is my 11th year teaching high school age homeschoolers coming out of conservative Christian homes. And, And while most of them would say that they're proud to live in the United States, most of them, if you ask them why, You start to scratch the surface of what they think. They know the right answers because they're growing up in your home or my home. So they, 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 they know the answers we're teaching them. But they don't necessarily know how to get to those answers themselves. And their theology is very thin. Their understanding of U.S. history is almost non-existent. Their biblical worldview is not very developed. Now they go to church. They go to youth group. They go to summer camp. They've walked the aisle. They've been baptized. But that doesn't mean they're operationally in their mind, and their thinking, in their worldview, in a healthy place. 16% of the youngest generation says they're proud to live in the U.S., which means 84%, no thanks. You got to keep that on your radar screen so that we can effectively reach them and teach them. We'll keep going. This is Steve Noble. We'll be right back. Hey, friends. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble. The Steve Noble Show. Eyes wide open as we plow into 2023, which is why I'm taking you uh, through a bunch of different stories. And like I mentioned, uh, Gen Z, the youngest uh, generation right now, they're like, you know, 14, 15, 13, 14, th- uh, up to about 23 to 24. Only 16 percent of them are proud to live in the United States. And that's uh, based on mostly ignorance. And the left and the progressive left, especially in the educational system, has been very effective And that little Chinese water torture, drip, 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 the frog in the pot, whatever metaphor you want to use, it's working. And so they're easily manipulated. And if you can get 84% of the youngest generation to say, I don't like America, then they're ripe to want to remake it, right? we got to tear it down, which is is the moral thing to do, and then uh, make a better one that's more, I don't know, Marxist, more socialist, more fair. Okay. So that's why educating our youth is so important. And the stories I want to share for the rest of the show I'm sharing with my students. Okay. So, so you can pay attention. So what about uh, Sunday? Just Sunday. Finally, I think it's the first time in his 50 year career in Washington, DC, Joe Biden made it to the Southern border. Uh, Bill O'Reilly wasn't impressed. Biden doesn't care. He wrote this today. CNN reports that President Biden's visit to El Paso He avoided uh, actually talking with migrants currently living in the beleaguered city. There was a reporter on CNN that called all this out. Can you believe that? The White House says Mr. Biden did not have an opportunity. (laughs) But CNN says that's bull. More than a thousand undocumented people were in proximity to the president. Yeah, we don't want to go talk to them. The hard truth is that Joe Biden interacting with the foreign nationals he is allowing into the USA, this is Bill O'Reilly, in violation of federal immigration law would be a bad look for him. So his handlers kept the president away from the damage he himself is doing. Joe Biden doesn't care about immigrants. If he did, he would order discipline and accountability on the southern border. If you care about immigrants, why do you shut down the border, class? Do you know that? If you care about immigrants, why do you then, if you care about them, you shut down the border? Why would you do that? Because it's a humanitarian crisis down there. And not only down there with the fentanyl and the drugs coming in, And the empowering of the cartel, there's all kinds of human wreckage and destruction and abuse, murder, mayhem, rape, torture, all because we have a porous southern border. We've created this big mousetrap and having the border open is all the cheese that you put on there. And then all the other people use the mousetrap to inflict harm to these people. Some of them travel by foot for 1,200 miles. I mean, it's remarkably dangerous. It's a humanitarian crisis down there. Joe Biden doesn't care about migrants. I agree, Bill O'Reilly, he doesn't. If he did, he would order discipline and accountability on the southern border. He would also demand what Donald Trump demanded, that the Mexican military stop the immigrants from crossing the border with Guatemala. Right, stop them down there. Mr. Biden's in Mexico City and could easily negotiate with this obrador, the, the Mexican president. He won't. Why, asked Bill O'Reilly? Because he truly doesn't care. That's right. It's exactly right. He doesn't care. They're banking on the fact that the more they get in, once they figure out a way to make them all legal and they start voting, that they're going to break for the Democrats. And then you had, and I, I shared this in one of my classes before the Christmas break. I almost threw my, I literally almost threw my computer across the room. I was so mad. I was so disgusted. Did you hear this? This was just about four or five weeks ago. When Chuck Schumer was talking about, we need to get more migrants up here. We need to get more migrants for workers because our, uh, we're not replenishing our own people because our birth rates are getting lower. So we need more migrant workers. Now, why do you think that would cause me to get into such an apoplectic state in class? And I was highly emotional. I, I don't think I've done this in 11 years, been this emotional in class. And I literally wanted to throw my MacBook Pro across the room. Why do you think I was so mad? What's the disgusting satanic irony that Chucky Schumer didn't quite catch? Hey, Chuck, maybe one of the reasons we're short workers is because we butchered 50, 60 million of them in the last 50 years. Maybe that, bro, that institution of, death and degradation that you support and protect and fund. Maybe that does that ever cross your mind? Talk about Romans one, a reprobate mind. God help you, sir. Wow. Disgusting. So yeah, Biden doesn't care about the Southern border. He doesn't care about the people. Texas governor, Greg Abbott sure is upset. Biden border visit a photo op too little too late. And did you see that he was there? They met uh, President Biden on the ground when he landed, handed him a letter, and basically in the letter just rips into him, just rips into him, and uh, Biden kind of looks, who knows if he even read it, right? President Joe Biden visited the southwest border for the first time Sunday as concerns grow about the high volume of illegal immigration negatively affecting U.S. citizens and border communities. Who cares about them? Statistics compiled by U.S. Customs and Border Patrol show there were 465,000 encounters between migrants and law enforcement officials at the southwest border. Is all all last year, Steve? No. In the first two months of fiscal 2023, 465,000, 230,000 a month. That's 2.6, 2.7 million a year. That began in October. By comparison, just 339,000 encounters occurred during the same period in fiscal year 2022. So it's getting worse. Biden's border visit occurred against the backdrop of his administration's effort to abolish Title 42, which enables border officials to quickly turn away migrants seeking entry into the U.S. due to public health concerns caused by, you bet it, you guessed it, coronavirus. The U.S. Supreme Court has ordered Title 42 to remain in place as the justices are slated to hear a case involving the matter later this year. Then that's once they get rid of that, it's going to be an even bigger train wreck. So he goes to visit the border. Uh, the president predicted that expanding the parole program to three additional countries will substantially reduce the number of people attempting to cross the southwest border. He's so ignorant. He contended that since the establishment of the existing parole program, the number of Venezuelans, for example, trying to enter America without going through a legal process has dropped dramatically from about 1,100 per day to less than 250 per day on average. 250 per day on average. That's just one country, Venezuela. When Biden arrived in El Paso, Governor Greg Abbott gave him a letter declaring that your visit to our southern border with Mexico today is $20 billion too little and two years too late. Abbott added in the letter, your visit avoids the sites where mass illegal immigration occurs and sidesteps the thousands of angry property owners whose lives have been destroyed by your border policies. Even the city you visit has been sanitized of the migrant camps which had overrun downtown El Paso because your administration wants to shield you from the chaos that Texans experience on a daily basis. This chaos is a direct result of your failure to enforce the immigration laws that Congress enacted. Abbott Abbott elaborated on the consequences of mass illegal immigration at the southwest border, including the emboldening of the drug cartels engaged in trafficking deadly fentanyl and even human beings. He told the president, when you finish the photo ops in a carefully staged, managed version of El Paso, you have a job to do. The governor urged Biden to comply with the many statutes mandating the various categories of illegal aliens shall be detained, blah, 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 blah. And that's going nowhere. The president went down there because the pressure finally got to be enough. He said, all right, fine. Hey, yeah, I went to the southern border. And then did you hear what he said recently? The Republicans aren't serious about border control. (laughs) What? what? Seriously? Did he say that? Yes, seriously. He did. So keep an eye on that. And we're going to talk next about the House now being under control of the grand old party. Can they do anything about the border problem? Can they do anything about anything? They're going to pass all kinds of stuff in the House. It'll go nowhere in the Senate. Should they bother? We'll talk about that when we come back. Let's do the math. Welcome back to Math Class, friends. It's Steve Noble on the Steve Noble Show. What is $6.1 trillion divided by 365? Move the one, carry the three, add a couple zeros. $6.1 trillion, which is generally what uh, the federal government's going to spend in a year, divided by th- 365 days in the year. And what does that mean we spend, the federal government spends, on a daily basis? That's $16.9 billion, with a B. $16.9 billion per day is what we're spending to get to $6.1 trillion worth of spending in a year. Which is essentially where we're at right now, okay? So, $16 billion a day. Just remember that number. And that was something I was talking to my students about today. Showing them a video, I just put a link up on Facebook Live today, Uh, The National Debt and Federal Budget Deficit Deconstructed by Tony Robbins. Okay, he did this a long time ago. This is 10, 11 years ago. Okay, came out in 2012 when the federal government only had a scant $3.9 trillion uh, expenditures in a year. $3.9 trillion, which was about $10.8 billion a day. Now we're at $6.1 trillion and we're about $16.8 billion a day. And then how do you cover that? Well, obviously you got to get the rich to pay their fair share. The whole point of the video and I was just talking about this on the break. The whole point of the video is it shows you, okay, let's go after the rich. Let's go after the richest corporations, the richest people, the people that earn 250 grand or more a year. Let's go after the Forbes 400, the 400 wealthiest Americans. Uh, let's kill them all. And, and and with the death tax, take half of their stuff. No, 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 forget that. Not that, not the 50% death tax. Let's do 100% death tax, kill them and take 100% of everything. And surely... Right. All of them, all the people that make 250 grand a year, all the biggest corporations, Fortune 500 will take 100 percent of their their uh, worldwide profits. One hundred percent. Okay, we'll take all that. Talk about pay your fair share. Let's just go take everything. And certainly when you do that, Steve, you will uh, not only fund the government for a year, but you'll take probably a sizable chunk out of our national debt of thirty one and a half trillion dollars. Right. Wrong. You're not even going to make it through one year of federal expenditures at $6.1 trillion. (laughs) And you're killing the Forbes 400. You're taking 100% of the global profits of the Fortune 500 and some other rich folks. Everybody that makes 250 grand more a year, if that's you, God bless you, but we're going to take 100% of your earnings. You do all of that. You're making the rich pay way more than their fair share, right? You're taking everything. And you're not even going to get through one year, let alone touch our $31.5 trillion in debt, which is why... Uh, we turn the corner now and eyes wide open, things you need to pay attention to. Now that the Republicans have taken over the House of Representatives, you know, they passed a a rules pack package. That's a big deal. Now, here's a lot of what's going on. Let me break this down for you. And then our friend Dan Bishop, uh, it was one of the 20 in Congress who stood up against uh, all the votes for Kevin McCarthy is going to be back on the show soon. And he's going to talk to us about why he did that. And you have to remember, largely over the last 20 years or so, Nancy Pelosi has been very busy a consolidating power into the Speaker of the House. The Speaker of the House is already super powerful. But, man, did she consolidate power. So that's why they could drop like a $4,000 bill on your desk at 9 o'clock on Tuesday morning and say we're taking a vote this evening. Well, one of the things that these 20 fought for is one of the rules is like, hey, uh, we have 72 hours before we vote on anything. You drop any bill on our desk, we have 72 hours. So we're actually going to read it. So this is why the rules matter, because they're trying to take some of the uh, massive power of the speaker out, which Nancy Pelosi put in. Okay, Even though it's, quote-unquote, their guy, Kevin McCarthy. The House of Representatives passed a rules package Monday night, last night, with relatively little drama. It's the first order of business for Kevin McCarthy. The 55-page package includes some but not all of the con- concessions that McCarthy made to the group of 20 House representatives uh, to get his speakership bid across the line early Saturday morning and after 15 floor votes. It includes the motion to vacate provision, which allows just one member to move to remove the House speaker. Is that over the top? Just one member can put a motion to vacate, and you vote on it and say, okay. Then we can have a vote to switch leadership. It also does away with proxy voting and virtual participation in congressional committee meetings, which Democrats put in place to deal with the spread of COVID in the Capitol complex. U.S. House adopts rules sought by hard learners to control McCarthy for too long. The House allowed members to do their jobs from home without ever setting foot in Washington, Tom Cole said on the House floor. Cole is taking over the chairmanship of the powerful House Rules Committee and went through some of the changes included in the rules package on the House floor before the voting took, took place. He noted that with Republicans taking over committee leadership, the select committee that had been investigating the COVID-19 pandemic would reorient and be focused on looking into COVID's origins. Ooh, Dr. Fauci and how shutdowns adversely impacted the country. Vows Republicans are also creating a select committee on China competition, he said. They will also look into so-called weaponization of the Department of Justice, which should include the FBI. The new rules included a number of provisions in line with fiscal conservatism. Instead of what Democrats call "pay-go," pay as you go, which required legislation that added to the deficit to come with tax increases or spending cuts, Republicans are instituting "cut-go," which means only spending cuts can offset mandatory spending increases. So, you want to increase spending anywhere? You got to show in the same uh, bill, the same legislation, where you're cutting to pay for it in the same bill. Okay. So they're trying to bring some fiscal sanity, at least into the House. But anything they pass, remember, here's the game. Anything they pass in the House, they're going to send to the Senate. And the Senate's going to say, whatever, because they're controlled by Chuck Sumer and the liberals. So that's going to happen there. Like this, House Republicans vote to rescind the IRS. So essentially what's going to happen over the next two years, it's going to be a big campaign act. This is what conservatives believe in. They pass that legislation in the House. They send it over to the Senate. And then the Senate uh, liberals show you what they believe in, which will be the exact opposite. And so there's not going to be any significant legislation coming out of Congress for the next two years. I don't have a big problem with that in terms of government spending. Fine. Shut them down. And they're going to try to make point after point after point. And hopefully we can all pray for this. Uh, Americans will start to go, oh, oh, gosh. Well, that's that's a pretty significant difference. <laughs> You think? Like this one, House Republicans vote to rescind IRS funding. The measure one of the new majority's first legislative moves would cut billions in funding that Democrats passed to help crack down on tax cheats. It does not have enough votes to pass the Senate. David Fisher talked about this yesterday. The majority of the auditing that the IRS did last year was on poorer people. 60 grand and under household income. What? What? But wait, wait, Joe. I thought you and your buddies cared about... The poor folks, the downtrodden, the lower end of the economic scale that you cared about those people. They don't. This is what you have to remember. This is the party that's protected Planned Parenthood and the institution of abortion for fifty years. You think they care about people? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Come on, seriously. And I'm not I'm not coding the Republican Party in gold here, okay? Because they had a chance under Trump the first two years to defund Planned Parenthood and the spineless toads didn't. Shame on them, every single one of them, including President Trump. So they have plenty of blame, too. But the Democrat Party, in its policies, in its platform, protects Molech. So (sighs) they care about people? Mm Mm-hmm. The measure doesn't have the votes to pass the Democratic-controlled Senate, let alone receive approval from Mr. Biden. It passed the House 221-210 to 210 along party lines, with every Democrat in opposition and Republicans applauding upon passage. But the legislation serves as an opening salvo from the new Republican majority, which is seeking to undercut the policy accomplishments of Democrats over the past two years when they controlled both Congress and the White House. The Biden administration issued a statement of policy on Monday, confirming that the president would veto the measure and dismissing it as a reckless bill. <laughs> yeah. Not adding 87,000 IR agents is reckless. Senator Chuck Schumer, Democrat of New York, and the majority leader said that this is a giveaway to the multimillionaires and big corporations, and Democrats won't let that happen. (laughs) Hey, buddy, Chuck, who's your IRS uh, investigating most last year? Oh, that's right. It wasn't the rich folks. Now let me go back to this one. Keep your eye on this. Jim Jordan to chair the Weaponization of Government Select Committee. That's actually what they're calling it. I love that. He's the perfect person. Uh, formation of a new select committee headed by Jim Jordan to dig into the abuse of power and the weaponization of government. This investigative panel will demand emails and correspondence between the Biden administration and big tech companies like the Twitter files and follows the massive revelations that came to light through the recent release. Well, there it is. The Twitter files newly minted house speaker, Kevin McCarthy, uh, who was elected, obviously just the other day, uh, was asked to form the committee as part of the negotiations that brought him to power, Axios reports. Jordan was one of the 15 members of Congress who nominated McCarthy for speaker last week, just as many in his party nominated and voted for him. Quote, the probe into communications between tech giants and President Biden's aides will look for government pressure that could have resulted in censorship or harassment of conservatives or squelching of debate on polarizing policies, including the CDC or COVID. Hmm. So we've got to keep your eye on that one. Now, we know because of the Twitter files, and I'll share a little story about that. Pfizer board member Dr. Scott Gottlieb pressured the company to censor Donald Trump's FDA commissioner. There's all kinds of collusion, the Democrats' favorite word under Trump, between the Biden administration and big tech. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and hopefully Jim Jordan's weaponization of government select committee. will dig into that. Because when the government's involved, now you actually do have a violation of free speech. If it's just Twitter as a, as a company, it's their platform. They can do what they want. And that's, I don't get excited about that when it comes to free speech. But when they're colluding with the federal government, that's what the Bill of Rights are there for, to protect us from the federal government. So when the federal government's making deals and paying money into Twitter and helping them censor, that's a violation of your First Amendment rights. Weaponization of government, to say the least. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. Great to be with you. Just putting a bunch of stories uh, breaking over the last several days, last week, uh, to put them on your radar screen. And we're going to be paying attention to this stuff as the year goes on. And I would just encourage you, as as the news goes up and down and it's frustrating and, and discouraging and concerning, just please, from the bottom of my heart, please make sure your house is built on the rock that it's not on the shifting sand of the state of the nation or the state of the culture, or the state of the United States, that your house is built on the rock of Jesus Christ. If it is the wind blows, the rain comes and your house will stand and you have this incredible eternal bliss to look forward to. And so everything that happens here is just temporary. They're all temporary setbacks. Even death itself between us, between me and a believer is a temporary setback. It's not permanent. And the, that allows it makes it a lot easier to sleep at night and to have hope for the future. Even if we're sober minded and not feeling particularly hopeful about the state of the nation. So just remember what, where are you tying yourself to? Where do you find your hope? If it's in the great U S of a, I would encourage you that you should change your foundation. Uh, our friends at the truth radio network, which is how I got on the radio at, in the first place back in 2007. Uh, And we've just had just incredible. They've been so generous and kind towards me and so supportive over all these years. The most bizarre, most likely demonic thing's been going on. Somebody at at one of the at one of the towers has actually been cutting the cables of the tower. So like the suspend, like the the cables that hold the tower up. Okay, this is a big deal. And you don't just show up with wire cutters. Or a, a Swiss Army knife. This takes se- a serious piece of equipment to cut through those cables. Just think of the cables you see on a 300, 400, 500-foot tower. And they're cutting those. And uh, they haven't caught the person yet. Law enforcement is involved. It's also a federal problem because you're dealing with federal communications. And they haven't caught the individual. So uh, please be in prayer for our friends at the Truth Radio Network. Please be in prayer for the for the culprit, whoever's doing this. Uh, there's not. it's not like in Christian radio they're going to be slashing each other's tires. That's not happening. So most likely this is somebody that, quite frankly, hates God, hates his church, and hates any organization that promotes it, which would be like Truth Radio Network proudly boldly preaching sharing the word of god teaching proclaiming that's the station a lot of the, you are listening on truth radio network and the devil hates it and his minions hate it and either you're a child of god or you're a child of the devil you're a child of god through jesus christ or if you're not a born again christian you're a child of the devil wow steve that's offensive it's just accurate and so please be pray in prayer that they would catch this person and that this person would come to repentance And pray for the people at the Truth Radio Network that need to deal with this. This is not an easy challenge. So please be in prayer for that. Just, Hey, Lord, I just want to pray protection over the Truth Radio Network and that this culprit would be caught and that uh, that you would lead him to repentance and faith. In Jesus' name, amen. See, it's that easy. Just please remember that, especially if you're listening on Truth Radio Network. But whatever you're listening on, please pray for our friends there. All right, I mentioned the Twitter files. Pfizer board member Dr. Scott Gottlieb, pay attention to the Twitter files, pressured company to censor Donald Trump's FDA commissioner. Hmm. New internal emails released via the Twitter files reveal that Dr. Scott Gottlieb, a member of the board of directors of pharmaceutical giant Pfizer and former FDA commissioner, talk about connected part of the swamp, colluded with a top White House lobbyist to pressure Twitter to suppress a tweet from Dr. Brett Garor, acting commissioner of the FDA under Donald Trump. The emails were released through journalist and coronavirus policy skeptic Alex, Ber- Alex Berenson, who posted the, the findings on his on his newsletter. The tweet from Dr. Uh, Garor, who briefly headed the FDA after Gottlieb left, called on the White House to exempt people with natural immunity from taking the coronavirus jab. Oh, you can't do that. That's not good for business. Quote, it's now clear COVID-19 natural immunity is superior to vaccine immunity by a lot, tweeted Garor. There's no, there's no science justification for vax proof if a person had prior infection. The CDC director and the president must follow the science of no previous infection. Get vaccinated. Okay, so he's saying if you've had it, if you had COVID and you have natural immunity, you don't need to get vaxxed. Now we know the vax doesn't keep you from getting COVID, right? Upon seeing the tweet posted August 27, 2021, Gottlieb immediately emailed Twitter's point of contact with the White House Todd O'Boyle. Gottlieb stepped in, emailing Todd Boyle, a top lobbyist in Twitter's Washington office, who was also Twitter's point of contact with the White House. The fact that Twitter has a point of contact with the White House should should, uh, make you nervous. The post was corrosive, Gottlieb wrote. He worried it would end up going viral and driving news coverage. Right, because we can't have any other opinion, especially any other scientific opinion. I'm science, right, Dr. Fauci? You know what science does? Questions everything. Tests everything. Uh, push back against everything. That's science. That's how you do science. You just continually push. No, 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 no. You can't do that. So here's uh, a former FDA leader and a Pfizer board member who gets access to the White House and Twitter to pressure Twitter to suppress information. Talk about misinformation and disinformation and suppression. It was the liberals all along. Because the whole... and, And pray for the members of the House that they're going to get to the bottom of the origin of COVID. That whole thing stinks. So please, as as Christians, we should be looking for justice to roll down like a river. Pray for justice. Pray for truth. Pray for the light of truth in Washington, D.C. through these House of Representative committees because God hates injustice and we should hate it too. But you can't go up there. I can't get on a committee, but we can pray and our prayers are more powerful. So please be in prayer for them. Okay? It's a big deal. And you should be paying attention to the Twitter files because this is our federal government colluding with big social media to control the story. That's not a representative republic, friends. That's a tyranny. It's a tech tyranny. This is a big deal. And do you think that they would eventually want to suppress the gospel itself? Any Christian opinion? And they can. Of course they will. So we pay attention to this stuff. All right, let's, let's finish with a little. I think this is humorous. U.S. Attorney to review classified documents from. Biden's vice presidential office founded a think tank. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland tasked the U.S. attorney in Chicago with reviewing classified documents found at a think tank. According to two sources who spoke to CBS News, the documents were discovered at a locked closet at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement in D.C. CBS News reported that the FBI was also involved in the probe of the documents, which number about 10. Richard Salber, special counsel to the president, confirmed that the documents had been found on November 2nd, just ahead of the midterm elections, and reported to, a, to the National Archives. The discovery of these documents was made by the president's attorney. Salber said the documents were not the subject of any previous request or inquiry by the archives. Since that discovery, the president's personal attorneys have cooperated with the archives and the Department of Justice in a process to ensure that any Obama-Biden administration records are appropriately in the possession of the archives. Well, how did they get there? Well, get, my, odds are it wasn't something nefarious. The president's office, the vice president's office, they create so many documents. There's such a massive paper trail. That, of course, you're going to have stuff that gets slipped through. Not on purpose, most likely. But all of a sudden, oh, Biden has the same problem. Hmm. Garland could assign a special prosecutor to the case after the Chicago U.S. Attorney's Office completes the preliminary investigation. We'll see. The turn of events will severely undermine Democratic efforts to criticize and excoriate former President Donald Trump over numerous classified documents seized from his residence at Mar-a-Lago. Right? Right? So that'll be kind of funny. And they could even figure this out of all places on The View. <laughs> the View host declares Biden document scandal huge win for Trump. Kills Mar-a-Lago case. Alyssa Farrah Griffin, whoever that is. The View co-host Alyssa Farrah Griffin said the discovery of classified documents at the Penn-Biden Center is a huge win for Donald Trump. The View co-host declared the discovery of classified documents. Uh, that this was absolutely a huge win. Absolutely no one's going to like this take, but I'm going to go there anyway, Farrick said, a former Trump administration aide, began. I want to be clear that facts are different than the Trump case. However, I think this is a huge win for Trump because if you're Merrick Garland, who's already extremely cautious and doesn't want to break the longstanding precedent of not indicting a president, it's very hard to make the case that Donald Trump should be indicted for this, even though the facts are different, when he can argue, well, now the vice president also took home some classified documents. I think this kills the case. Co-host Sonny Hostin disagreed and said facts matter, insisting that Biden and Trump's cases were not comparable. Hostin said Trump had top-secret classified information, including things that would put people's lives in danger, including nuclear documents, and there were 300 documents found. That's like comparing apples to orangutans, she said. Farrah Griffin said that the legal standard was not where the classified documents were kept. That doesn't legally change the fact," she said. "That you did not transport them securely." She also played a clip of President Biden responding to the documents found at Mar-a-Lago. He said, "How could that possibly happen? How one, how on anyone could be that irresponsible?" Biden said. <laughs> and I thought, what data was in there that they may compromise sources and methods? By that I mean names of people helped or etc. That was Biden. So this is kind of amusing. So here's what Merrick Garland's going to do. Write this down. He's going to come out when they finish up with the Biden thing. He's going to come out and say, listen, uh, unfortunately, uh, these things occasionally happen, which goes to show us how seriously we need to take it, especially when one administration changes to a new one, that uh, important documents, even classified documents can slip through the cracks, not necessarily in any, for any nefarious reason, but we just have to double our efforts. We have to do a better job of making sure we check everything that's going out the door because these are unfortunate circumstances. Fortunately, they didn't lead to any serious compromises in us national security. So we need to do a better job. There's no, no reason to prosecute here, but we do need to do a better job. That's how he gets Biden off the hook. And unfortunately for a lot of those guys that gets Trump off the hook too. So if you're going to follow the truth, it's going to cut both ways it cut Trump just as much as it would cut Biden. And if you call yourself a Christian, that's the sword that you're supposed to be wielding. The sword of truth, which, by the way, cuts to the right as well as it cuts to the left. That's the deal. If you're part of the way, you don't, by definition, fit the world's way. You follow Christ's way. That's the deal. That's what we try to do here. On the show each day, back tomorrow with an awesome local ministry, the Raleigh Dream Center, like the L.A. Dream Center. It's an incredible story. We'll talk to Jeremy Porras tomorrow about that. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward. Another program powered by The Truth Network.